Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, RFK Refugees Podcast. Uh, we are back here for your Thursday edition, and you know what that means. It's time to preview the upcoming games. We have a double game week. We got a Thursday game against Chicago and a Sunday game against uh, Orlando. All games are at home. Uh, coming up, you'll hear the uh, interview with Mike Gramajo of the of the Orlando Soccer Journal, founder of the Orlando Soccer Journal, uh, talking Orlando. But right now we have Guillermo Rivera from The Athletic. Uh, Guillermo, welcome to the show. Thanks for thanks for stopping in. Yeah, thanks for inviting. Before we get Absolutely. into the fire, really quick, I wanted to. I, I think I saw you tweeting about this. As someone who covers a team that uh, that went through a rebrand, a a maligned rebrand, uh, could you tell us from your perspective what do you think Columbus was thinking? What do you what was your reaction to the way that that came out, and the, also particularly the article that came out uh, a couple of days ago about the Nordecki? It's almost shocking to me that. Uh, you know, sports executives and, and teams, particularly in, in, in MLS and in this day and age, don't learn from the mistakes of the teams uh, in recent memory. Um, I don't know how you go about doing something uh, like this in the middle of the season, for one, and two, without real input uh, from your uh, from your fan base. It's just uh, astounding. Uh, you know, I think... Uh, into uh, focus groups and uh, sort of targeted audiences that kind of tell you exactly what you want to hear uh, to get to a certain outcome. And I think that's what you got uh, with a lot of these MLS teams. And uh, certainly that seems to be the case with uh, with Columbus here. I just astounding to me that uh, willing to uh, throw away you know, team history so quickly when fan base and particularly in soccer is very much so uh, driven by your fan the fans attachment to that particular club logos uniforms colors uh, all of that means something to fans and it's just uh, it's hard to believe that some of these teams are assuming the team executives don't even realize that uh, as well as they should do you see columbus taking chicago do you see another team doing this rebrand and then getting the response and then doing a U-turn like Chicago's done? Or do you think Columbus will, will hold on, will dig their heels in and roll this out all the way? Uh, they should. Uh, they seem to be, uh, they should have stated that they should pretty much said thanks, but no thanks. Right. Um, yeah, a whole lot of nothing in that statement, but uh, I think they really should take a look at it and fire uh, uh, some credit, at least listen to the fan base and decide to backtrack. Uh for sure, I think that's I think that's commendable. I think that's commendable in in a in a matter, modern sports setup where it's such a business where usually you don't get you don't care you don't get your f- feedback is fine. You'll figure well we'll just find new customers if you don't like it, and that's that's what we've heard from. I mean that's uh, Tim Bezpachinko basically said that today is that if we lose seven thousand fans over this, we'll gain fifteen thousand over time. Which yeah, that's uh, fucking. And then uh, yeah. that's uh, and the sports executive saying the quiet part out loud. But uh, right, <laughs> right. You would hope that Columbus will uh, take a cue here and uh, at least reconsider what they've done. All right, I I had to, I couldn't resist uh, being someone who covered the the maelstrom around Chicago last year. I think I would be I could not ask you about it. Go ahead, Ted. As somebody who who saw the the ebb and flows of DC attendance, that that usually followed one thing and one thing only: how good the team was That's doing. Um, I think I think that is a uh, that 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 blew me as a ridiculous statement. At the very least, I'm very happy for Chicago and Columbus because I'm hopeful it has like scared DC. There there were Pablo Maurer, uh, also from the Athletic, has 
uh, I believe dropped some hints that the team has explored a rebrand and has explored changing up the name. And um, I hope this maybe has uh, scared them into into never even attempting that. So um, we've had some rebrand, some you know logo refreshes, but never never the name change. Uh, but I, you know, I guess one thing about Chicago, they did you know they they did say we're you know we we already bought the merch, we already paid for it. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna stick it out and we're gonna go do a new crest. Uh, one of the, I guess one of the more interesting things about Chicago, I find, is you know the, we had we had this great movement in the early days of MLS, move out of the big stadiums, get into the soccer specific stadiums, and what we've seen is 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 Chicago did that. Everyone's done that, but Chicago now has said you know we're we're gonna go back to Soldier Field. And I I actually uh, when I was in in middle school, I I took a trip to Chicago and went to they happened to be playing DC that day, so I I went to a game at Soldier Field before they built the new stadium. And uh, I mean it's a great I mean it's a a really big and, and great stadium. Uh, there weren't a whole lot of fans there, so um, I, I find this uh, I found the move interesting. It seemed almost like a a step backwards. What was you know for maybe those who might be familiar, what was sort of the thinking behind sort of going back to Soldier Field? Are are there plans to to go somewhere else? One you know to build a stadium. Mm-hmm. Maybe closer to the city, or yeah, I, I think that's the long-term goal. And, and depending on what you consider long-term, it's uh, it's very long-term. Um, it's very difficult to get um, something like that done in the city of Chicago. It's very different, uh, difficult to find uh, sufficient land to build something like that within uh, Chicago's city limits. Um, it, it's going to be a long time before the fire ever on stadium in the uh, city of Chicago proper. Uh, I think I believe the thinking was that hey, we haven't done well over the last decade. Um, the attendance in Bridgeview has sort of plateaued. Uh, we need to get back into the downtown Chicago area to attract uh, that sort of uh, S upper scale uh, downtown sort of uh, uh, audience. Uh, I, I think the big flaw in the thing in the, in the thinking there is that uh, they've been at Soldier Field. And uh, they were at Soldier Field while they were winning, and it wasn't particularly. I mean, they weren't turning away people and girls. Right. Uh, this new day and age uh, in MLS with uh, you know there's the expansion teams and uh, Atlanta, Atlanta, and Seattle, and Portland, and all bringing big crowds. And there's some centrally located uh, stadiums. Um, I don't think the Fire uh, have that luxury. Soldier Field is not a particularly easy place to get to if you're not in the downtown area. Uh, there is uh, uh, public transportation to and from relatively close, which Ridgeview didn't have. Uh, I see that they see that as a positive. Uh, but again, uh, it really comes down to the product on the field. And uh, I think a good team would have drawn in Ridgeview. A good team could draw in Soldier Field. Uh, the, the first year in Soldier Field has uh, looked a lot like the last uh, 10 years at Toyota Park. So uh, it really comes down to the product on the field, whether or not Soldier Field is going to eventually be uh, viable for them uh, short-term. Uh, obviously, long-term, they're going to have to find uh, some sort of an alternative that particularly if the Bears remain at Soldier Field and if, if Soldier Field is remodeled again for whatever the Bears are attempting to get done. Uh, Bears are looking at moving to is it Arlington Heights potentially. There's been some talk about the Bears potentially looking at a site at Arlington Heights. Um, I think the uh, Bears uh, may be holding that over. Uh, the yeah, <laughs> I, I thought that might have been negotiation in order to get a little bit of a sweeter deal at Soldier Field. So um, there's a there's a lot um, 
to be said and done before any of those decisions are made. You, you know, even if the Bears were to move to Arlington, that's a long-term, uh, distant future proposition. Um, I think uh, the fire are going to be absolutely killed here for a while. Ted, let's pause a second. Guillermo, do you have your phone close to your computer by any chance? I do. Because it it sounds like it sounds like there's like a like a static or a clicking, and I'm wondering if it's, it's like the cell thing interfering interfering with your microphone. Oh, I don't. Know. It might not be. That was that's the only it's the only thing I could think of. That's like when you have a a phone near a microphone. Anyway, we'll just we'll just keep going from there, Ted. We'll just cut this out. But I just wanted to try to give that a shot. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about the, let's talk about the, the season so far for Chicago. Uh, it's been, it's been a, a little rough. Um, I feel like we on the DC side have had a little bit of a rough start to the season may set the record for, for own goals. We'll, we'll see what happens, but, uh, but one point, uh, negative six, what is sort of, I, and I believe this is, um, the co- wherever the current coaches believe is second season in charge. Uh, what do you, what do you see what's been sort of going on with the team? I mean, has it just been a, a tough run? Of schedules, I mean, playing uh, New York, Atlanta, and New England certainly um, East Coast Murderers Row. Yeah, certainly aren't easy easy tasks, but uh, it, it hasn't it hasn't gone particularly well for the for Chicago thus far. Yeah, that, that's a lot of that has been the competition. A lot of it has been that just uh, I don't think this is a very good team. They weren't very good last year. Um, you know, they waited a little bit too long to make a move with uh, George Hines and Raphael Wicky. Uh, following the 2019 season, so that didn't give uh, that uh, crew a whole lot of time to get a team together going into the 2020 season. Um, they uh, sort of put a team together, <laughs> well, basically within three weeks. Um, they were thinking this offseason was that, hey, we weren't very good last year, that we had some uh, decent moments, played uh, some attractive football, but uh, didn't play very well defensively. So their, their thinking was that uh, keep the team together, I uh, gather some continuity and maybe that carries over to 2021 um that hasn't been the case so far um a lot of the same problems that they had last year you're seeing them crop up again this year uh they're they're just not very disciplined defensively uh their central midfield pairing uh with Medran and Jimenez has been good at times they were good uh, last year individually in spots uh, I'm not sure that they are as good a tandem as they think they uh, they have, I think they both sort of play as uh, dual number eights. Uh, they don't really have a real holding or a six or a destroyer uh, at that position like they did with Dex and Party before when they were had some moderate success. Uh, so they've been kind of toying with midfield. Uh, Madron was uh, pushed to the bench this past uh, weekend. Uh, I don't know that they have any real answers yet on this roster. Um, they, they don't have a uh, fairly significant transfer window this coming summer. Uh, they, they may have to wait until 2022 to sort of retool again. Is is the view sort of from the fan base uh, that, you know, a lack of recent success is uh, disinvestment in the club? You obviously, you have a new owner, so that money money should be uh, not as much of a concern as it was before when you were at Bridgeview. Is it coaching? What's the What's the, you know, what's the read on it for most fans? Well, it's, it's always easy to blame the coach when you're not winning. I mean, it's professional sports, so the coach is always the first in the line of fire. Easiest to hire, right? And, right? Easiest right. to hire and easiest to fire. Yeah, that, that's right. I think uh, I think the view of ownership so far is, is fairly positive. I, I'm, uh, I get the impression that uh, all the indications are that uh, Joe Mansueto is willing willing to uh, put money into the club. 
I think that's uh, just obvious. He's got the he's got the funds to do it. Um, I, I really it comes down to uh, heights and Wiki not really having enough time to put together a competent MLS team going into 2020. Uh, and some of that maybe is because uh, neither one of those two guys had uh, much MLS experience in terms of uh, familiarity or putting teams together. Uh, there were apparently some. I don't know if struggles is the right word to sort of uh, grasp uh, all of the uh, insane rules and uh, budgetary considerations that uh, MLS has uh, as you deal with going into uh, 2020. So they had to kind of learn that on the fly. Uh, part of the problem is they've got uh, a good amount of this team tied into long-term deals. Uh, I think they're DPs. Well, Robert Barrett has been decent. Um, you really need your DPs to be high impact players, and you can't miss on those guys. Barrage has been he's been good, but um, you know if he's your best player, you've got some problems. I, I guess the only other player I feel like the only player that really has shown well for me has been uh, Frankowski. I know he had a strong showing in that first game. Um, I think is he is he another designated player or is he a TAM level player? I can't exactly remember. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, he's not a DP. Um, Frankowski. Uh, has been sort of puzzling. Uh, he came over, um, played pretty well in his first season, really didn't do all that well last year. Uh, I think part of his issue has been sort of adjusting, playing in a new country, in a new league. Uh, he's got a young family. So there, there are a lot of things to play into whether or not players are successful consistently that a lot of people don't see on the surface. Uh, I think uh, I, I was expecting Frankowski to have a sort of a breakout year last year and then never really materialized. He's been very good, very impressive in spots, but again, consi- consistently hasn't been there. I guess we got one other one other player is sort of a, ba- a blast from the past is 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 Jonathan Bornstein. Uh, that that's a name that popped up, and I think before the show, John was like, "You know, they got Jonathan Bornstein out there," and I'm like. I had the I had the uh, Obi Wan. Now that's a name I haven't heard in a long, long time. Uh, what you know, it, it, and I seem to remember that that signing happening. I'm not sure if it was if it was last year or this year. Uh, I mean, is that just sort of an idea to to sort of stabilize the back line, or you know, how is how is he sort of looked? Yeah, that was uh, that that was I think part of the thinking, or a lot, a lot of the thinking when they brought him in um, last year. They needed left back. Uh, Bornstein was available. Um, he had MLX experience. Um, I don't know that they expect him to play 90 minutes for 34 games a year. They've got uh, Miguel Navarro, who's also a left back. Um, he's been, Bornstein's been okay. He's uh, a good clubhouse influence as well. Um, but again, he's uh, at, at the end of his career, and I don't know that you can expect a whole, uh, oh, you can't expect to see a, uh, the 25-year-old Jonathan Bornstein here at this stage. No, uh, when you're, I was just, I was, when we were talking about it beforehand, I was like, this is, I, I'm getting to the age now where there are, if there are players that are older than me or I am, I'm like, all right, this is my guy. I, he's still doing it. I don't know how he's not so sore, but I, you know, kudos to him for, right. for making it work. Um, for, for people who haven't been watching the fire, uh, since, uh, Wiki has, has been here if we're, you know, so much of the focus with DC United right now is on our new coach and tactics. I think we've talked more about tactics in the last month than we have in 10 years with Ben Olsen being here, other than to say before being upset at a lack of tactics, but now that's all we talk about. What if we're watching the fire, if, if, if you're a DC United fan watching the fire for maybe the first time or, or in a while, uh, 
what you know what, what should we be looking for how, how does he set the team out and what's the what's sort of like their key identity from a tactical perspective yeah well you know that's one of the things that uh, you do when uh, you're a fan it's uh, constantly looking at tactics and uh, i think wiki is starting to draw some ire for his substitution pattern uh there some of the fan base is upset that uh, some of the younger players aren't getting more shot uh, mauricio pineda uh, and uh, notoriously uh, absent from a lot of the uh, 80 minutes uh, through first through the first four games he did play uh, second half of last week and didn't look good either so <laughs> uh yeah they're playing in a basic uh, 4-2-3-1. They, they can play very attractive uh, soccer at times. They do have some offensive talent. McGuinn um, and Braun uh, and uh, Frankowski are able to get forward. They can be dangerous. Uh, Barrich is a guy that uh, hangs around and is always in the right spot. Uh, a lot of his goals, he's not going to create a lot by himself. But a lot of his goals are sort of uh, uh, finishing at the end of team goals. Um, Boris Sekulich, I think, uh, on the right side, right back, has been uh, pretty decent this year. Um, get, getting forward, uh, I think uh, overall their best player so far this year has been uh, Lucas Stoyanovic, who's uh, sort of the de facto um, ten, so to speak. I don't really have a, a real ten, but uh, Stoyanovic, I, I think, has been pretty decent as far as setting up, and he's finished a couple of times. Um, uh, he's uh, sort of. Uh, Japan and their passing attack when they do get forward. You guys have so many international players. Uh, yeah, they, they do have a lot of internationals. You guys, there must, you must have a friend at the green card office because yeah. there's that or you're, you're trading away $200,000 for international spots all over Yeah, the place. there's been a green card uh, rush over the last uh, I bet. 12 months or so. I, I think one of the places where they do struggle is in the back. Um, Francisco Calvo is... Uh, He's the captain, but uh, he can look spectacular in one second, and uh, you're scratching your head uh, as to what he's doing in the next second. Um, the, the, his pairing, uh, the partner on the defense is the Johan Kappelhoff or Mauricio Pineda. Uh, haven't been impressive either. Kappelhoff has been with the club, but I think he's the longest tenured player at this point. Uh, he was very good in 2017 uh, as a center back, but uh, has sort of fallen year by year uh, in terms of production and, and quality. Uh, why why I'm, not, I'm not quite sure. Um, I think a lot of their struggles comes from uh, the center back pairing along with uh, not having a real um, strength up the middle. I think uh, Gaston Jimenez, another DP who I think has been okay uh, but again, uh, if you're going to sign a, a DP, you can't expect that the okay is acceptable. Right. Yeah, abs- absolutely. We have that discussion a lot in DC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've had, uh, yeah, we, we got our own own problems trying to figure out figure out designated players. Um, I guess one thing, you know, the... One thing that always strikes me, I guess, about MLS, certain MLS teams is 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 you talked a little bit, I guess, about their young players, and you know that when I think of like young players from Chicago who probably aren't that young, my you know the first name that comes to mind is is Harry Ship, uh, and how good he looked, you know, coming out uh, for Chicago. Now he's over at Seattle. 
Uh, seems a lot of similarities to what DC has gone through, you know, promising young players that kind of just develop into role players or are no longer playing here uh, and are and are elsewhere. Uh, what you know, what is this team's sort of strategy as far as developing young players? Are, are there any young players on the roster now that, you know, you think in two to three years we're going to be talking about or, or even players maybe coming off the bench now or, or maybe getting spot starts that, that you've been really impressed with? Uh, yeah, yeah, Chip isn't even in the league anymore. But yeah, they, they have yeah. produced players out of their academy. They do have homegrown players on the roster. Uh, a lot of them are younger um, guys that you probably won't see for a couple of years. Um, I think uh, maybe the top prospect is a uh, goalkeeper, Gabriel Solina, who was uh, scouted by Manchester United before he was uh, signed to the homegrown deal. But I think he's 17 now, so it may be a while before we see Salmina. Um, they've got a few other players, but uh, I, I don't see anyone in the immediate uh, future that you would say, all right, this guy is going to be a, a mainstay in a year or two. Um, that's probably why you haven't seen a lot of them play uh, so far many minutes in the last year and a half. Uh, another issue is that they, they don't have a USL team, so you would like to see some of these players go to USL and get minutes and start to develop rather than you know, sitting around uh, training with the, with the first team and then uh, you know, watching from the sideline on Saturdays and Sundays. It's uh, I, I think they, they're on the they, – they can produce players. I think uh, getting them developed and active is uh, an issue they've had for, for a long time. Another yeah, another shared another shared uh, DC United. Uh, <laughs> that's another gripe we have about the players who are you know seventeen, sixteen, seventeen, not playing on the USL. And, and uh, right now, though, as you've noticed, the walking mash unit that is the DC United right now. I, I, we're not <laughs> we're not too concerned about players getting time at USL. We're just hoping that they can walk and stand and run. <laughs> and sit. Yeah, it's, it's the same. Fire had the same issue with uh, some injuries early on this year. Uh, Fabian Herbers uh, missing. Uh, he was a Pivotal player for them, sort of as a swingman off the bench, and uh, he's been uh, out so far this year. Uh, Ignacio Alexeda, who is another DP, has been a colossal failure. He hasn't played either, um, so uh, fire has <laughs> some injuries as well. Put plenty of time to do the Z po- soccer podcast with Julian, with Julian Gressel. I'll be curious to see what how what their interactions are like out. Uh, or I guess he's injured, so never mind. But uh, when, <laughs> when they're it. on the field, yes, <laughs> doing the doing the podcast. Um, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about you know how if, if you're if you are in Hernan Lasada shoes, how do you go about uh, beating uh, Chicago? What do you what do you do as far as trying to 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 get goals against them, uh, which DC need desperately? So. Oh, wait for a throw-in. The fire apparently can't uh, defend throw-ins. They're giving up three goals off of throw-ins this year, which is incredible. That is it. That is an interesting statistic. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> um, you know, they they will make a mistake, particularly in the back. Um, at, <laughs> at some point, there will be a chance to be had with uh, either an errant pass or just a lack of uh, awareness or communication mishap. Um, center of the park and uh, back line will make a mistake. So I, I think if you... Uh, Pressure them and uh, pressure them off, and they will uh, they will cop that. Well, that's what we do. We press, so that's yeah. literally that's all the that's A, B, and C of our of our of our strat at the moment. So that's, that's... but both uh, both the Orlando person we interviewed yesterday for Orlando, which you guys will hear soon. Uh, but both uh, I'll give you a preview of that. Both said high, Both of you all have highlighted the idea that the press is is a way to beat you all. So I'm, I'm maybe feeling if we can have a a 
an actual choice as far as lineup, maybe I'm feeling a little more a little more confident. Six point weekend, weekend. Ted, Ted. If that's if that's the story, <laughs> this is coming at the right time. Exactly. Uh, well, go ahead. Uh, we always ask a prediction of our of our guests, so give us a prediction for the upcoming game. What, what's your score line? Uh, one of the other guys that uh, covered the fire called this game the uh, this match the uh, movable object versus the uh, <laughs> versus the stoppable force. Uh, so I'll, I'll go with a one-one draw. I think I'm 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 going a two. I think I predicted a one-one draw against Orlando because I yeah, I think I'll go with a two-one a two-one victory uh, for for DC today. What do you got, John? I got one one nothing for DC. Uh, Guillermo, you already pointed out the odds makers are like, I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> sure. Coin flip, whatever, man. I don't know. Yeah, here's here's plus 100 on the on yeah. each team to win, basically. Yep. All right. Uh, thank you so, so much uh, for, for joining us. Uh, feel free to plug where, where the good people where the good people can find you. Um, if you're not subscribed to The Athletic. What are you doing? What are you doing? Are you doing? Go subscribe right now. Um, so, but tell the good people where they can, where they can find you uh, elsewhere as well. Uh, yeah. You can find me at, uh, on, at Firecomp on Twitter. Um, uh, occasionally at the athletic, although I haven't done a whole lot this year, but I uh, should be back soon, uh, covering the puck. Cool. All right. Uh, well, thank you so much, Guillermo, for joining the show. Uh, and, uh, best of, well, not so much best of luck to your team tomorrow, uh, <laughs> but, uh, best of luck to you the rest of the season and, uh, look at, looking forward to reading some, reading your coverage. Thanks, guys. Yeah. And guys, stick around. Uh, coming up next, we got Mike Gramajo from the Orlando Soccer Journal to talk uh, Orlando. So stick around for that. You're listening to the RFK Refugees podcast. Before we get into the next team preview, just wanted to say that if you liked the Cherry Blossom scarf, if you're getting excited for the chance that DC might come out with a Cherry Blossom jersey and you want that scarf to match, but you were unable to get to the DCU team store when they had them available, fear not. RFK Refugees is here for your answer. Go to patreon.com slash Refugees, and as long as you are giving at the $5 level or if you give at the $5 level and then submit your best DCU meme, best DCU poetry, memory, whatever. Make us laugh, make us cry, do whatever to get our attention and we will reward you with the Cherry Blossom Scarf. So go to patreon.com slash RFKRefugees to enter the contest today. And remember, just $5. Just give it that $5 level and you get and you get access to the contest to win the scarf. So head over there today. And now, back to the show. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, RFK Refugees podcast. I hope you enjoyed uh, the preview of the Chicago Fire game. And as a special treat, we, we, we got a, a double game week and we got a double, uh, double game preview going on. Uh, joining us is Mike uh, Gramejo. Uh, founder and editor-in-chief of the Orlando Soccer Journal, uh, here to help us uh, preview uh, the team in Orlando. Mike, how are you doing? Thanks for joining. Hey, not bad, not bad. No, thanks for the invite. Uh, obviously, we got more uh, more soccer going on um, this weekend, and obviously with Orlando City traveling to take on D.C. United, so it's going to be a, a good matchup. I know D.C. United has their own uh, season to worry about and, and the things that kind of unfolded, Orlando City as well, so I think I think we're in for a, a good matchup uh, this upcoming Sunday. Well, unfortunately, unfortunately for us, we don't have Wayne Rooney. We, we were we were unable to agree to like a one game contract <laughs> to come play you guys uh, because he always seemed to show up with uh, with ridiculousness uh, when when he was here. So so you get a reprieve from that. <laughs> you guys should have offered him a tan deal. Maybe he would have probably hopped on and uh, you know probably would have helped that game because I mean he's definitely scored some bangers against Orlando. So. 
uh, it kind of benefits yeah. Orlando that he's not there, but it benefits you guys if he is there. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we, we got a new coach. We got, we got new identities. Uh, so, so let's jump into it. Um, so uh, I want to talk sort of g- generally about the team. Um, Orlando has not, you know, started off great support. Uh, you guys, uh, the, the support down in Orlando for the, for the uh, USL team uh, really brought MLS here, brought an ownership group here and everything like that. Everything's going great. You guys get into to MLS and, and uh, it, it was a struggle. You went through, you know, Adrian Heath uh, and Jason Christ, both coaches who were, um, who were kind of lauded as like, as you know, rising stars in, in the coaching ranks amongst the league. Now, you know, Adrian Heath uh, doing, we'll, we'll still say doing well at Minnesota, even though his team's got off to a rough patch. Obviously, fortunes have changed mightily for Jason Christ. Uh, but but I always, you know, kind of looked, you know, then you know, there was the incident with, you know, tampering charges followed by DC United. So so things are were, were kind of a mess uh, organizationally, I've I always felt for Orlando. And, uh, but then you guys get Oscar Perea, and it's suddenly like everything has changed. Uh, was there maybe more behind the scenes that like maybe if you unless you're you know paying attention or 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 understanding like what what, what's exactly changed in orlando that has sort of turned it around uh relatively quickly i think yeah really in in a year's time yeah no i mean obviously uh, you mentioned oscar Pereira, but honestly this whole sudden change didn't really start to happen until orlando the orlando city front office began um well when they went ahead and hired uh luis muzi from fc dallas they hired him as uh, their executive vice president of soccer operations back at the end of the 2019 season. And, and I mean, if you were to recall that 2019 season uh, for Orlando City, it was it was as bad. I mean, you, uh, they just finished firing James O'Connor. Um, it was another losing season. Uh, obviously, Luis Muzi comes in. Um, and you kind of had a feeling that, it, it, I mean, even after that 2019 season kind of ended, you know, and, and then we saw James O'Connor get let go. Uh, at the end of that uh, disappointing season, it, it was always rumored that, you know, hey, Luis Muzi comes from Dallas, Oscar Pereja, who was at the time in Tijuana, but he was he had a previous stint in Dallas. It, it, it was just one of those, like, will these stars align? Um, and the next thing you know, th- that offseason going into the 2020 season, it, it, it came to fruition. Uh, Luis Muzi goes ahead and hires Oscar Pereja. They, those two go ahead and create a – I mean, they just changed the club culture in general – um, besides the fact they also moved into a, 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 their own training facility as well. So now they had the academy and the first team pretty much basically under one roof. That, that, that played huge dividends at the end of the day because you're, you're building a club culture from the ground up again. You're building a winning culture um, in, in a pandemic of all, of all things, if you think about it, because no one really would have thought last year that Orlando City would, would go as far as they did. Uh, obviously, they did a good. They had a good outing at the MLS back tournament, going all the way to the final before losing to Portland. And then they just went on another hot run uh, in, um, in the, I guess, revamped regular season for the 2020 season. But Oscar Pereja, just the way he's been kind of be able to, he's been able to force the players and kind of just play with a belief that they are the dominating side, and that they've been they've been showing that um, night in and night out, each each um, weekend and week out. Um, um, during the 2020 season, obviously, right now it's been it's been off to a little bit of a slow start. They're still unbeaten, but you can kind of factor in there's some key players that are missing, uh, still some injuries going on. But the, it's just it's so impressive how Oscar Pereira has been able to kind of turn things around in just one season. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens in season two under Oscar Pereira. It, it, it really is. Uh, and I mean, who, who knows if if we saw how Orlando did 
and, and if we see how Orlando did in 2020, uh, I can only imagine 2021 is going to be an even more optimistic year for the Lions. Well, one of the one of the interesting things, and and you brought up sort of changing the culture. I, I guess one of the surprising things uh, about the team was the the and I, and I'm from Richmond. Uh, if you don't know, so so I'm a, a Richmond Kickers season ticket holder. Uh, okay. So you know, one of the one of the one of the one of the the the, the guaranteed three points was any time we played Orlando City B. Sorry, I, I have to say it. <laughs> uh, but but you but you you've you've uh, that that team has been sort of either I guess completely disbanded. Is there any talk of, of bringing that back? Maybe you know moving it up to like a different you know location, a different yeah. market. Uh, yeah, or... I mean, I mean, as far as that, obviously, yeah, we we saw Orlando City be uh, well. They didn't really have a good uh, tenure during in when, when they competed in USL League One. I think you kind of just mentioned it there with Richmond Kickers kind of always coming out as the the winning team whenever both teams played against each other. But in terms of I guess building that second team. Um, obviously, uh, there is that rumored MLS Reserve League that was supposed to kick off this year, but I think it's going to get delayed until uh, later next year. Um, so as far as what Orlando City is doing to field that second team, they do have somewhat of a, I guess, de facto second team. It's, they're called the Orlando City Academy 23s or their, the under-23 mm-hmm. squad. And it's mostly composed of uh, under-17, under-15, and uh, some college players as well. And, and they compete in the UPSL, which is, Obviously, a league that um, it, it's—I mean, I'm not sure how how how, uh, how in tune you are with the UPSL, but they're competing in the UPSL. But it kind of gives Orlando City the edge because this Orlando City under-23 squad—they're playing against local semi-pro teams across the whole Central Florida region, and that just opens up a network for Orlando City to not only just see what the competition is like, but to to scout other local players that may not be in the academy, but now have that opportunity to put a good, you know, put a good performance against an Orlando City Academy team and have that chance to possibly get scouted by Orlando. And then obviously that can only, that, that can only play segue to that second team, that official second team that, that is rumored that, that it is rumored to come back at that point next season. Obviously it's going to be under that new MLS reserve league. So, I mean, obviously it, it, it may not look like that right now in, in picture. It may not look like that right now on, 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 on with how it is right now, but, it, it, obviously, you can kind of see this is a, a good foundation to kind of start building that second team that originally OCB didn't really have a good uh, successful uh, 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 stint during the USL days. Uh, well, the new USL days when they competed in the USL League One. So it, 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 that in, in a way, they're kind of building that foundation to, to kind of cement a second team that obviously will serve as a pipeline to, to the MLS first team. Yeah, and I, I forgot I forgot about the reserve league. I think that was like pre-pandemic, so it like feels like a decade ago. I'd, I'd, I'd sort of forgotten about that. Uh, well, you guys also you guys also do have new owners coming in. Uh, the the Will family, I believe, from the the Minnesota Vikings owners who uh, fa- failed to get a team in Minnesota, and instead it went to to the current owners of the Minnesota United. Uh, what? Have you? Uh, do you have any expectations that things are going to change? I mean, the team the team has been not been shy about spending money. I mean, I, I don't think they've spent ridiculous. I think they 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 blew big on Kaka. They got Nani in, obviously, but I mean, they've still been one of the better spending teams in the league. Uh, what do you what are you sort of expecting from uh, from the new ownership once they come in? Yeah, so obviously, um, it's going to be interesting to see how things unfold. I, I, you know, there is that report that uh, there's a new ownership group that uh, could be stepping in. Um, and plus, even the majority owner right now, Flavio Augusto da Silva, 
I've, I've been pretty blunt about, you know, uh, about selling the team. Um, once that happens and if that happens, um, I mean, you, you would hope, right? I mean, if you have a successful organization, you, the last thing you want as a new ownership group is to kind of blow it all up because that's just the recipe for disaster. Um, I mean, if the, once this ownership, new ownership group does come in, you, you would hope that they kind of keep things intact. Obviously, if you pump more money into the team, that, that, that would be great because if you look at MLS, obviously, you look, like, you look at the teams like the, the Atlanta, the, the LAFCs, the LA Galaxies, those big market teams, they usually have good financial backing uh, at the NBN, and they're usually the ones that are able to put up, up you know, significant transfer fees. Well, significant transfer fees in, in MLS terms <laughs> to buy those players. Um, and obviously, if, if this new ownership group is able to kind of give the, the, the technical staff that type of that, those type of resources um, for Orlando to go out there and buy uh, a, a, a player of, of a high transfer fee value, then why not? I mean, I think a good example would be. Um, the whole Daryl DK case, um, you know, there's this, there's this, you know, on and off talk that Daryl DK should leave Orlando and go and, and play, continue playing in Europe with those rumors that, you know, he's, he's getting yeah, the big, one of the big six teams from England are, are looking to sign him. And it kind of, big, it kind of brings up the question. If you sell Daryl DK to uh, a big six team in England, it, it, that only means that you have kind of, in order to replace, you're selling, you're technically selling a big six striker to a big six league. So, um, you know, it's, it, 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 I mean, hopefully, yeah, once this new ownership group does come in, you would hope that they kind of pump uh, the additional resources and don't take away those resources because the last thing you want to do is to blow up something that is showing success right now on the field. Especially, especially when it feels like you guys are like finally, you know, it, maybe not uh, ultimate contenders, but outside contenders. I can't imagine. You know what? We're just going to slash everything. You know, I'm going to buy this team and we're just going to, you know, blow it up again. And it's like going, going through it all over again. You guys no, went no. through, I'm pretty sure at least like three different rebuilds before you got here. So, no, and, and, uh, can, I, and, and the thing is too, with, with Orlando, it's that they finally have, they finally found their stride. And I mean, why would you want to go in there and, 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 and get away? Uh, let, let's see how this, I mean, obviously we're seeing that how it's being played out right now on the field let it be i mean that's that's football for you sometimes obviously there are going to be every team suffers winning season and losing season but right now orlando's enjoying the moment and the last thing you want is just that exactly like i kind of you just mentioned the last thing you want is a new ownership group coming and kind of just flashing that type of winning season away and, and then you're then you're, you're back in square one or you have to rebuild again yeah uh, let's, uh, let's talk about, uh, well, first you brought up Daryl DK. Uh, Daryl DK has some, does have some local roots here. He played at UVA, uh, which is about an hour up the road from, from here in Richmond. And, and I, I, uh, my, uh, my parents both graduated from there. So I grew up going to, to UVA soccer games. So uh, I do have a bit of a soft spot, uh, for, for Daryl DK. What any, any, any new like updates that you've heard is, I mean, they extended the loan through to May, uh, We'll get to the performance against NYCFC, but there were a couple times I saw where I was like, "Man, if like a Daryl DK sitting right there at the at the six yard box, that's a goal." Yeah, uh, I felt a lot of ways. Oh, are you expecting him back uh, this uh, this season, and 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 for how long? I mean, that seems to be the 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 what it, what the rumor is. It's, it's it's only a matter of time. Yeah, no, I mean that's exactly what it is. It's like you're you're wondering what's going to happen. Obviously, Orlando City. Well, first off, Caprera went at. But he was asked uh, back in before the season started, uh, does he expect Daryl DK back? And uh, Oscar Pereira was was pretty honest, like, yeah, he's, we're expecting our striker to be back. So the loan ends 
in May, but no one really expected Barnsley to go all the way to the promotional playoffs. So they were able to then just a few, I believe a week ago, uh, Orlando City sent out a statement saying that they're going to extend the loan until Barnsley either wins the wins promotion or in, or if they get knocked out of the playoffs. So, I mean, at the moment, from what it seems like, Daryl DK is going to come back. The question now is, well, how how will this be well, how will this be played out? Because do you sell him now in the summer, get a, a significant transfer fee? Obviously, there's always that. What what what's his true value? Orlando City, when they originally loaned out Daryl DK, uh, there was a clause that said, if well, if, if Daryl DK was to go to a big six club in, in England, he's worth about 20 million. And then that brought up another topic of conversation: Is Daryl DK really worth? Is Daryl DK a a 20 million dollar striker? Right. So it, it it's going to be interesting how this plays out. Obviously, in a perfect world, you would hope that Daryl DK does come back provide that offensive that, that offensive help that Orlando City needs right now and and and, and he's already provided last season oh uh, so comes back plays the rest of the season and then leaves at the leaves at the end of the season at, with a in good terms so it, it's really it's, it's so interesting to see how things are just going to play out because you know and, and you also have to ask this other question what is Daryl DK thinking I don't think he's really been asked that either do, do, does he want to come back does he want to come back and play the, the rest of the season and then leave. Um, obviously, he still has a, a more time in his contract with Orlando. So, uh, but I mean, no one really expected Daryl DK to take off like he did last year. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting. I know for right now, I mean, you're looking at it right now, Orlando City offensively struggling um, so far to start the season. It's been pretty much Nani putting the t- team on his back. Um, you know, you, you, I was looking at uh, an example of last week's game against um, New York City FC. There were there were some moments where you would you would you would see Nani kind of play balls to uh, Tesho Akundele, and obviously Tesho Akundele has a good hold to play. But I mean, you can, you, you look at you compare it to Daryl DK's strength, and Daryl DK is just another another just in another mode when he's in that type of zone. And you can kind of see that's the type of player that Orlando City is missing. So he's coming back. Um, at least that's what the team is expecting. For how long will he be with Orlando? That's probably the, the biggest question mark um, that's going to be pretty much hovering over Orlando for for most of the summer and probably for most of the season. Well, you you do have his presumed replacement um, in Alexandre Pato, but I believe he he picked up an injury. Uh, it, it was rumored not to be bad, and then I think it turned into a little more serious. Uh, what is his status, and, and when do you expect him back? I hope not for Sunday. That, that's yeah. all I'm going to say. Well, it's kind of weird because uh, the club um, – so when he originally got injured in, in the season opener against Atlanta, um, they, the club was pretty well, – they, they said that it, he would not require surgery, um, but that wasn't the case. He ended up getting a procedure on his right knee. And then last week they announced that uh, he will be out for three to six weeks. Now, obviously, now we're looking at three to six weeks. We're not looking until probably middle of June, end of June. But then even with that, I mean, it, it, we're looking at a, a knee injury here. I, the, the rehab, the recovery. You gotta, you gotta also look. Pato kind of came to this club already being an injury-prone type of player. So if I'm, if you're Oscar, do you go at do you do you, do you run the risk of playing him immediately after those three to six weeks are up, or do you kind of wait a little bit and slowly progress him into the squad? and kind of just go ahead with your depth. Because Orlando has the, the offensive depth. 
they just haven't been really turning up those goals as they should so far in the season. So, I mean, but they obviously brought in Pato for, for a reason. He, he, he is a world-class striker. You know, you look at those Milan days, uh, you would think that he would be the perfect replacement if they were to sell Daryl DK. But obviously with him going down on an injury, that provides another, another, another situation for Orlando to kind of jump over. So, uh, it, I mean, you would hope that uh, Pato comes back fully recovered and avoids injury again. But, you know, that's where you kind of also mix in Daryl DK in the equation. You know, you, you kind of keep DK for the rest of the season knowing that you have a, a, a Pato who, who's injury prone. Or do you sell DK in the summer and, and run with Pato but run that risk of losing him to injury again? So it's it's like it's almost like a catch-22. It's, it's, you kind of have to find out what, 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 what avenue you're going to take in order to kind of to, to explore what, 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 what way you're going to go in, in terms of how to, uh, of, of finding a winning formula with the team. Yep. So uh, only news is that he will not be there Sunday. So that, that's good news for, for, for on the DC side. <laughs> uh, I guess one of the, one of the other stories of, of 2020 I felt was, was the sort of emergence of, of Chris Mueller. And, and, and I remember, I think it was, it was the All Star Game in 2019, and I sort of he kind of came came into his own, I think, uh, late late that season. But I just remember at the at the skills competition, uh, he was like the one person that like got what like this was all about, like how you gotta like show off a little bit and like it's 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 fun. You got you got to put a little uh, put a little pizzazz in, into your step. So I, I I was ever appreciative of him of that because he made that that skills competition interesting. Um, and he he had a great year last year. Uh, and certainly to close out 2019, uh, I, I was kind of watching him in the game in, in the New New York game, and he he really uh, had maybe a couple moments, but really wasn't putting like the imposing force. I guess I saw uh, last season. What what's been what's been happening with him? Is is my assessment way off? Um, no, or, yeah. or has has he struggled in in 2021? No, you're, you're you're that's actually a pretty good assessment because he, he he I mean you think about it, he is part of that offensive. That has struggled offensively so far, four games into the season. Defensively, Orlando's been a, a good unit. They've been a rock. They've only allowed two goals in their first four games. And one of those goals was a penalty that we saw last week. Offensively, as I mentioned, yeah, uh, or, or you, you're going to have to see more of Chris Mueller, more of Benji Michel. Uh, they have another striker in Mateus Aias, but uh, he hasn't been really seeing significant playing time as well. I mean, eventually, you're going to have to, uh, Oscar Pereira is going to have to start using all these, all these pieces. To their to their full of potential, uh, for Chris Mueller right now, yeah, he, he hasn't really had a, a a an impressive outing in terms of those first. Because honestly, he's been he's been he's been growing as a player. He's been getting as a player year by year. The last thing you want is for 2021 to be that plateau year where he doesn't continue to grow as a player because he definitely has the talent. He has the potential. Uh, he's been a good offensive unit, a good offensive piece for Orlando. Uh, the last two, three seasons. Uh, the last thing you want is for this season to plateau. Uh, with this Sunday's match against DC United, it, I mean, you would hope that it would be a turning point because he hasn't been, hasn't been a great games for him. He he has that offensive belief, but nowhere good enough to, to kind of help Orlando secure those points because, you know, as, as the saying goes, goals win the games, but offensively Orlando hasn't been producing those goals. Sometimes you're going to need more than one goal to win games, win games and, Obviously, Chris Mueller has that has that potential to score goals. Uh, hopefully, he can kind of break that that, that drought on Sunday, um, and then we can kind of look at this little bad uh, 
start to the season as a, as a thing of the past. Well, you uh, you all do have a uh, you all do have an interesting opportunity against DC. Uh, we 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 have started the the idea of scoring on ourselves, so shooting ourselves in the foot. Uh, we now we 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 have three own goals where uh, where the record is four for an entire season for one team. So uh, hopefully that that cleans up by by Sunday. But I'm just telling you that uh, you you may you may be able to get by DC without that at this point. Uh, particularly who knows what the injury situation looks like under under Lasada's team. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. hopeful for like at least six subs. <laughs> well, I, I've seen that there is a little bit of an injury bug kind of hitting DC United. So obviously that pays that that, be, that benefits Orlando at, at the end of the day. So, um, I, I think, I think, uh, I, I think Lasada has gotten so he's gotten so annoyed. Every press conference has been about like the injury injuries about like how the injury is looking. And uh, one of our uh, black and red reporters asked him like about the game, and he was like, "Thank you so much for asking, talking about the game." <laughs> He's so tired. He might actually. So there's been a lot about him, like you know, waiting and like you know, maybe like a player like Ariola, for instance, might actually be fit. He's been seen at training. He might actually be like 80, 90 percent of the way there. But what uh what what Lozada wants to sort of keep his keep his style like to to play his style so he's he's holding guys out so I'll, I'll be curious to see he's got a double game week whether he might break some of those ideas maybe there's a guy maybe he thinks is not ready so uh, it'll be interesting to stay interesting to see but spe- speaking of Orlando uh sort of how how to uh how to kind of break them down uh, if you were uh, if you were in Lasada's shoes and, and you were trying to game plan against Orlando uh, what would you want to do, and, and how would you how would you go about trying to trying to beat them? You you, you got to hit Orlando with the counter press because there's one thing about Oscar Pereira's team is that they a, they are a uh, a possessive pressing team. They they like to hold the ball. They like to to to, to press on that ball when they, whenever they lose the ball, and they're able to recover it really well. If you're able to kind of put that pressure on Orlando City instantly, you change the whole dynamic of the game. So it's really just up to DC United to see how they they're they're able to kind of play up to that type of that that type of uh, that that type of level that Orlando City brings. If you're able to do that, I mean, obviously that's key for for DC United. If if you're not and you let Orlando dominate the game from the very beginning, then yeah, it's going to be a long night for DC United and uh, it's going to be a, a a dominating game for Orlando. Um, the only thing is with Orlando, they've been the dominating team these last four games, but they just have only been able to get one one victory out of those four games. It's been three draws. So uh, obviously this could be a good game for Orlando. It could be a bad game for Orlando. Um, obviously they're on the road. So if DC United is able to counter press Orlando, then obviously it favors DC United. If they're not and Orlando City is able to dominate the game early on, then it, it can be Orlando's game. But they're going to have to put those offensive boots turned on all the way because. You're gonna need one more goal. One, one. You're gonna need more than one goal to secure a victory because, um, I mean, it hasn't been that hasn't been the case for for Orlando, FC Cincinnati. But we all know how FC Cincinnati's been so far this season. <laughs> so. <laughs> They're the, they're the, they are the, they are the team. They are like the, they, everybody like has been, I think everybody was talking about Orlando at certain points being like, oh, this is the year they finally put it together. And then they would like, they would suffer. I think, you know, they had that winning streak and I feel like Cincinnati's the same place. Everybody's like, oh, they got Acosta, like, you know, and then they had like one good game to start the season and then yeah. the rest of it's been, been really bad. So it's, uh, uh, it's the, definitely in the league's punching bag so far, hopefully that changes, <laughs> but uh, I guess someone has to take the, the, the hits. Every now and 
Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it, you always need that. You always need that. You got other teams coming in the league too. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, all right. Uh, let's uh, let's get a prediction from you. Uh, what do you what do you predict out of out of this game? What's your score line that you think is going to be for the game? And we will hold you to it. I promise you. Okay. Um, should Orlando be the dominating team, which I do expect them to be, because it's just the way Oscar Perez has been uh, putting out his team since. He, um, he began in 2020. If Orlando City is able to control the game and dominate it and actually get some goals, uh, more than one, it's, it's, it's going to be a win for them. Um, I, well, I think that happened. That would happen. I think, yes. Uh, I, I don't want to disappoint you. Um, but I know DC United has been kind of been kind of, uh, not in full form. So obviously this game does favor Orlando a lot. So I, I, I could see a three, no victory for Orlando. Um, should everything go according to plan, uh, the the scoring and the and just the possessive domination. So a three nothing victory. Um, anything worse, I wouldn't be surprised if it finishes uh, with a one one draw. But um, you can you can hold me accountable with a three nothing victory. You can also hold me accountable to a one one draw. Uh, this is soccer. Sometimes you never know what you're gonna get either. So yeah, exactly. I, I well, I know the. Um... You, you you brought up the counter press and how that can disrupt DC and that's the style that Lasada wants to play. He wants to play a pressing and very direct style. So uh, I, I think a lot of my mood on this game is going to depend on the game on Thursday and how we look. Uh, so I, I think a one one draw and 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 you know yes DC has given up uh, three goals to to Columbus and four goals to to San Jose, but the expected goals was much lower in that regard. So uh, so I'm hopeful those stats will will sort to swing back in, into our favor and also we stop shooting ourselves in the foot i think that's going to be that's going to be a key thing uh so so what one one is my prediction we'll, we'll see who's right at the end of the day i promise i will follow up i'm not going to follow up this is all for fun uh mike thanks so much to, thanks so much for joining us uh let the let the good people know uh where they can uh where they can find you and where and where you can uh where you can be found and if people want to check out more orlando uh soccer coverage and uh, uba yeah. fans if they want to check out more on daryl dk so yeah so if you want to visit the website, it's orlsoccerjournal.com. Very simple. Uh, you can also follow it. There's uh, our social media channels at OSJ Soccer. Um, and then you can also follow me directly on Twitter at by, um, B-Y and then Mike Gramajo. Um, and my last name is spelled G-R-A-M-A-J-O. Literally sounds like Grandma Joe, except without the E at the end. Um, and you can <laughs> obviously find uh, pretty much daily updates on Orlando City, MLS, um, obviously the whole Daryl DK saga as it, as it unfolds. So, um, just make sure you get, yeah, give me a follow and obviously thanks for having me on. It's, it's been a pleasure talking back with you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll definitely, we'll definitely keep you posted. Uh, obviously we got a game down in Orlando and, and I, I may actually be attending that game in Orlando. So I'm, well, I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of excited about it. Right. All right. Thanks. Thanks so much, Mike. And uh, we will uh, best of luck to you and your, I guess, your midweek game and uh, not so much luck to you on Sunday. Thank you so much. You too. Yep. All right. Thanks, guys. And uh, thank you so, so much for listening. And we will catch you guys back on Monday for our live show. Remember, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Refugees. We are giving away a scarf uh, to our Patreon subscribers of the $5 level and who submit a, a meme. So you got to make us laugh. So definitely check that out, that contest. If you're, if you're new to the show and would like the new uh, Cherry Blossom scarf, definitely want to get that. And we will see you guys on Monday. Vamos. Vamos.